This podcast contains mature themes and explicit language. Movie Lovers is intended for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. The scene in the beginning when he's, uh, when Michael Keaton, you know, Doug, he's negotiating with the guy who, the scientist guy who's going to yeah. clone him or whatever. He's like, so what would you, uh, you know, uh, nothing fancy, uh, you know, just a basic clone job cost. <laughs> What is up, Jacobson, and welcome to our debut episode of Season 3 of Movie Lavas. Hells yeah, recorded in our lovely new home. Uh, I was just going to say where. Have we talked about that we used to live in St. Paul? No, we used to live in St. Paul. Now we live in Cottage Grove. Moving on up to a deluxe apartment in the sky. Yeah, we are obsessed with our new house. Um, Our back deck is like a tree house. It's amazing. Yeah. You know, and and thanks to all our loyal listeners out there for your patience with us, too. In between season two and three here, I mean, we've had a bunch of months off, but we needed it because we had to sell our house and buy this new house and get settled here. And we're opening an Airbnb in our house, too. Yeah. So like the first month of living here, we had house guests for literally an entire month. So, yeah, it's taken us a little while to settle in and now that we are we're very excited to get back into podcasting getting episodes out hopefully every week i feel like this season we may have more minisodes because i think that's just going to be an easier workflow like i've already got two queued up we recorded a minisode already spoiler alert i'm not gonna tell you what it's for um and then i'm recording a part two like i've been talking about doing for 10 fucking years for phoenix rising so right i know you (laughs) are super excited to read this out to our fans let's kick off season three with a review that we got on apple podcasts take it away jacobson all right, so shout out to Buyer of Much Stuff for giving us a three out of five star review on Apple Podcasts. And he says, it's okay. <laughs> These two are overtly, weirdly horny during the podcast. The commentary isn't the best, but I have a lot of time to fill in my reinforced bassinet, waiting to cash in my good boy points for mommy to bring me more tendies and deweys. <laughs> <laughs> What in the actual fuck that last part? I don't know. But hey, bro, if you're listening to this, which you might be, because while you're waiting for mommy to bring you more tendies and deweys, you know, we just wanted to let you know that we really appreciate you and you're listening to us. And, um, you know, three out of five stars, we'll we'll take it. Yeah. We'll take it. It could have been two out of five stars. Right. Could have been worse. This is uh, the equivalent of our first bad review, although this is more middle of the road and actually pretty honest. Yeah. Overtly, weirdly horny, I feel like really describes us accurately. That's the thing is like, I don't disagree with any of his points. You know what I mean? (laughs) We're just kind of like two people that really love movies and kind of know what we're doing, but also kind of are just winging it. So, Well, right. You know, I listen to a lot of podcasts and a handful of them about movies. And I think that our podcast has a fun tone because we are 
you know, we're not professional film critics. We're not comedians. We're normal people. I have a degree in film. You compose music, some of it for short film. Mm-hmm. And but we're both just humongous movie lovers. And then we've got this fun component of us being a couple, and this is why we do this. Like this, this yeah, this like, is like, this a, like a couples building exercise. Exactly. Yeah, our couples therapist approves. Yes. Yeah. She does. Shout so, out to Aisha. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's this is really it's all just about us and having fun together and doing something fun. Yeah. You know. And you know, I feel like I would go a little bit crazy if I didn't have this creative outlet for myself. Like all of the marketing that I do for movie lovers, like that's what I do in my normal job. But I get really fucking tired of only doing it for other people. So like this is my like you have music to be your creative outlet. This is my creative outlet. Yeah. And we can be creative together while being uh, weirdly overtly horny. Yeah. So great. Yes. And speaking of this being our hobby and loving it and are putting our skill sets to use, you will notice in this episode, we have a couple new category intros. Yeah. Jonah had some fun in the studio the other day and I didn't tell Mallory I was doing it too. I was just like, I have a present for you. And I just came home and I was like, listen to these. Yeah. One out of the three, I really love. And the other two just get really huge eye rolls from me, (laughs) but so mission accomplished. Uh, so yeah, you can look forward to that. And just an update from our previous full episode on Moulin Rouge. I just listened back to it. God damn it. I love that episode so much. It's so funny. Uh, but we were talking about how we were going to see the Broadway stage version of Moulin Rouge for my birthday. Yeah. And... Even though you hated the movie, you really liked the show. I hated the movie so much, as you know, if you listen to that episode. But yeah, I mean, the show was absolutely amazing. Yeah, it was Also, fabulous. it didn't have Ewan McGregor in it, so win on yeah. that. Oh, God. I cannot remember the actor's name who played Christian, but fuck, he's good. I think his name was Atheist. <sighs> I was having a conversation uh, with a gal I went on a date with about musicals and stuff. And we got to talking about Moulin Rouge. And um, I did express that, you know, some of the choices to like update some of the songs to more current pop songs wouldn't have been what I would have chosen. I did not really enjoy replacing uh, Satine's One Day I'll Fly Away with Katy Perry's Do You Ever Feel Like a Plastic Bag? That fucking song. Oh, I liked that. I did not enjoy that. All right. But, anyway, so this is not an episode about Moulin Rouge. Well, so no, let's... but I wanted to give them an update. Don't cut me off, you fucking dick. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to season three. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. Well, why don't you introduce the... Allow well, myself to, to introduce, introduce myself. myself. Well, hey, everyone out there in movie land. Thanks for tuning into today's episode... <laughs> <laughs> Of movie lovers. <laughs> Episode. Episode. Uh, Jonah here is a musician. I, Mallory, am a designer, and together we are movie lovers. Movie lovers is a podcast where we take turns picking the movie each week, Jesus. whether the other one wants to watch it or not, <laughs> and we discuss our list of topics. 
Ugh, you make editing this such a pain in my ass. Uh, doing this podcast gives us an opportunity to make the other one watch all of those movies we've been putting off since we met in 2015, which is surprisingly a lot of movies, turns out. Oh, surprisingly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, yeah. um, let's jump into this week's pick. Hey, everyone out there in movie land. <laughs> Today's episode is about the 1996 classic comedy Multiplicity, which was directed and co-produced by Harold Ramis, the late and great. And co-written. But he couldn't actually take a writing credit because he didn't write 50% of it. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. I, I was not aware of that. Well, I was reading about that. Yeah, he uh, claims to have assisted in writing 40% of the script. And I guess when you are directing a film, you have to have at least contributed to 50% of the script to be able to get writing credit or something. So, okay. The more you know. The more you know. I picked this movie because it is a classic comedy with all of the best kind of ingredients. And it was very 90s, 90s vibes. A lot, yeah. of, a lot of Groundhog Day vibes in there, which I'll talk about more. Sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So why don't we watch the trailer to refresh our memories? It's like work is first. And my family is a close second. I'm a, I'm a distant third, bringing up the rear. By a miracle of modern science... I just need a little time for myself. Doug Kinney is about to get the one thing he needs more of. Doug? Your clone. Himself. So, uh... What, uh, what do I feed it? Now... Between the two of us, we're gonna get a lot of stuff done. Or it kicks my ass. We're going to be awesome. There are two Dugs to go around. I'll get the dishes. Now drive the kids to school. Thanks. Two Dugs to share the load. When would you have time to do all this? I suggest we all do them every morning. Find out what he had for breakfast. But it's still not enough Dugs. I hate to ask you, honey, but could you pick up the kids? To get the job done. Two. Like to meet three. Hi. How are you? Are you nuts? I've been working since I was 12 years old. It's break time. It is. And Doug, I think it's that 12-year-old that's saying, Doug, how about a visit? You need, you need time for Doug. What a suck. No. With three people. Meeting start yet? Well, you're already in the meeting. Sharing the life of one man. Did you see me in the meeting? Differences are developing. What are you doing? I'm having a smoke. What's it look like? Personalities are emerging. I fold once. Name. Tuck. Tuck. Fold? TTF. And no Eric is in there because what? Eric's our enemy, isn't it? And their problems are beginning to multiply. Doug, I'd like you to meet four. Where did he come from? We made a copy from two. And you know how sometimes you make a copy of a copy, it's not quite as sharp as, well, the original. This summer, <laughs> it's every Doug for himself. Jeez Louise, how many of you are there? he safe with that razor? We take the blade out. It's cute, I think. From the director of Groundhog Day. <laughs> Michael Keaton. Nobody has sex with my wife but me. Andy McDowell. Doug. When that woman wants something, Doug, there is no stopping her. <laughs> Multiplicity. Hey, uh, Rain Man. Run back in there and floss yourself, buddy, all right? Oh, yeah, All right, so 
That trailer really made me want to watch it again, actually. Yeah. So funny. It has so many of my favorite quotes and moments, and I have YouTube comments for the Tuck Tuck Fold, and Mm. yeah, it's this is great. Um, okay, so my first memory with this movie was that I saw it at the Capitol Theater in Montpelier, Vermont with my dad in 1996, as is the story with many of the movies that we did for this podcast. This is true. Thanks, Pops. Yeah. Thanks, Papa Raj. I had actually never seen this movie. I could very vividly pull up the cover, like the poster of it in my head and have thought about watching it a bajillion times, but I don't know why. I just never had, so... This was a really fun first time viewing. Good. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Oh, good. Yeah, sometimes I can't tell. Yeah. <laughs> so. I try to, as 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 you say often, I try to hold my cards close to my chest to okay. save for the podcast. So. That's fair. I mean, like, I, I specifically remember, and I'll talk about this later, but the one scene where you really started to lose your shit and laugh. Oh, good. Yep. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, why don't I explain this puppy? In 30 seconds or less? Yeah, right. So multiplicity is a simple enough concept of a story. So uh, Doug, who's played by Michael Keaton, is a husband and father married to Andy McDowell. I forget her character name. They've got two kids. He's a contractor and he just does not have enough time in life. He has, as he puts it, his job is first, his family's second, and he's a distant third. And he's working on a building or something um, that this like scientist dude or psychologist scientist dude, whatever, kind of notices that he's having a tough time. And he reveals to him that what they do in that building is they make clones and that that doctor had made a clone of himself. And so he offers, I mean, there's like zero strings attached. They do not go into like heavy details of anything. This movie is very like just surfacey and fluffy in like the detail department. Um, But they make a clone of him. And throughout the movie, uh, as you can imagine, more clones are made. They end up with four total and each of them has their own distinct personality. They're all played by Michael Keaton. It's fucking amazing. And, you know, obviously it's a, it's a Harold Ramis movie. So it's like it all ties up into this family lesson of like not splitting yourself up and like I, I've got I've got some good quotes actually from Harold Ramis himself, so I don't wanna mince his words. But yeah, it is a classic nineties comedy. They don't make movies like this anymore. They do not, unfortunately. Best All right. actor. Michael Keaton. <laughs> yeah. Duh. I mean, obviously he There's played no four characters. Yeah. Yeah. He was amazing. He's like he is the movie. He stole the show. Well he is. And like You know, this was different than your average, like, one actor playing twins kind of movie. Like, it's obviously that same kind of concept, but there are four of him. So there's, like, normal Doug. Number two is, like, this gruff. He's the one that, like, just focuses on, like, the contracting work. He's kind of an asshole. He is Beetlejuice. His voice is Beetlejuice. Like, he gets that, like, deep, gravelly thing going on and, like... 
yeah, Beetlejuice vibes all the way. And number three, supposed to be the more like feminine nurturing version, but he kind of just comes off as like a gay version. <laughs> Which <laughs> I think I love. that he was, but they just like, they, they didn't say that, but it's just implied. Because 90s, yeah. And then number four, because of PC culture, I feel like I, from my own mouth, could not say these words, but to quote Tropic Thunder, he goes full retard with number four. <laughs> and that's all I'm going to say. Copy of a copy. You heard it in the trailer. Yep. He turns out kind of stupid. <laughs> all right. So let's move on to the O'Doyle. O'Doyle rules. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, I have a real, wait. No, Eugene Levy, who plays Vic. Ah, yeah. And uh, we love Eugene Levy, of course, in um, Schitt's Creek. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny to go back and watch this movie, and, like, it's, like, a different era of Eugene Levy, and, like, it makes me think of Splash. Like, he plays the guy that's, like, trying to get, trying to capture the mermaid himself. You know, Like, he's just, like, a bumbling, stupid idiot. And Eugene Levy just played so many characters like that in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And eighties too. Um, Those big eyebrows of his are so perfect right. and expressive. So I ended up putting down like the one guy from work that's like his competitor, just because he had a smaller part and really was only there just to be an ass. Oh, the yeah, the guy that he um he's in the porta potty and then like he gets the <laughs> yeah. forklift to come take the porta potty away while that guy's in it. That was a great scene. What a precursor to Jackass that was. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I don't know who you think is the winner for the O'Doyle. You know, I feel like Eugene Levy's in it. A t- bit yeah, much. I think actually you win for O'Doyle. I didn't even think about that guy. Mm. I was just, yeah, Eugene Levy kind of like stuck out in my mind. I think he, he had a little bit more screen time, obviously, but just made more of an impression. Right. As like a side right, right. character. Okay, so here's a fun question. Which character do you identify most with? And it's super fun because there's multiples of right. one guy. So, okay. So, first of all, in my bullet points, I want to know, and I told you this before, uh, or like after we watched the movie, I was like, I want to know which one do you think I'm the most like or what combination of the four Dugs am I the most like? Ah. In my opinion, I think I'm actually the most like original Doug, number one, with a dash of number two Doug. But yeah. if we, if you want, we can cover this now. Right. I mean, I feel like you have, <laughs> you have a little bit of all of them except for number three. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think with number four, they were shooting for number four to sort of be like his inner child. You know, but mm. I think they overshot a little I don't bit. Disagree there, and made him a little fully tarted. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely, I, I would, I would identify you with original Doug. Um, you are not handy, like number two Doug, but there's some like, you know, he's obviously the one that's supposed to be like the, the hound dog, you know, and yeah. like whatever. And, but he's also, he he's kind of just sort of casual and indifferent about a lot of things. Yeah. Just sort yeah. of go with the flow, like, whatever, man. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> oh, my God. That was very Beetlejuice of you. <laughs> <laughs> um, And so, yeah, I, I have I have some of that. I am not right. handy at all. No, that's okay. Though. But if you need original music composed for your project, I'm the guy. Hells, yeah. I identify with Doug number three. <laughs> just because 
he's like very explainy and particular about things. And I was like, hmm, I feel you. I feel you, dude. That's something that I actually try to work on in our relationship. We were just touching on this today. How like, you know, I tend to commandeer a lot of the household tasks and then I get stressed out and pissed off that you're not doing more around the house. But like you've been conditioned by me to not do things because I have a particular way I want them done. And like you don't obviously like who wants to like do something and then get scolded for doing it. So that's something that I work on within myself to like, okay, if I want more help, I gotta, I gotta loosen the reins a little bit. Just let him do it. Like I told you today, unless I explicitly tell you, do not do this thing, it's up for grabs. And that one thing is laundry because I don't want you to ruin my clothes. I can't go in the dryer. Yeah. I mean, I also find other ways to contribute around here. Yes. You are very, very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You provide. You provide for I'm a provider. Yes. For my family of you and three cats. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And maybe, you know, who knows? Maybe our family could grow someday even more. Not with a child, but with another human being. Yeah. Anywho. Most iconic moments and favorite scenes. What uh, you got? Right. So there's two, two like, sequences, I'm going to call them. Yeah. That are, like, almost, like, full-on sketch comedy bits. Um, so there's the restaurant sequence. Oh, yeah. Where um, Doug is... Doug number one or... Yeah, original Doug number Doug original Doug number is having dinner with Andy McDowell, his wife, and then number two is also having a date unbeknownst to number one, well, unbeknownst to each other, a few tables over at the restaurant. Number two is dating um, a super hot redhead from work who is played by Anne Cusack. Oh. Yeah. I didn't know there were more Cusacks. I didn't either. Thanks, IMDb. I mean, you Now can, I can totally see it. Yeah. Oh, my God. And she is gorgeous. Ooh, I want to look up her IMDb. I know she, like, she's, she's, okay, so, like, in the rewatchables, they talk about the, is it Joey Pants? Yeah. That guy award? Yeah. She's that guy. Like, she's just, like, she's in stuff, but, like, you never really, like, she, her face is familiar to me. Yeah, but she's obviously been overshadowed by her siblings, John and Joan. Yeah. But, anywho. (laughs) Oh, and then, uh, the other sequence being the clone boning sequence, where... Clone boning. Yeah. (laughs) That's I actually have that the multiple sexes in one night, right? Is what I have. Where yeah, where Andy McDowell's character ends up having sex with all three of the clones, <laughs> right? And she and doesn't know. I made a note that I was like, of course a man wrote this because the concept that like every time that she sees that her husband's dick is hard, she's like, oh. We're going to go again? Like, I, I understand. There are nights when it's like, ooh, you're you're ready to go again? Me too. Let's do it. But, like, they've been married for how long? Like, they've been together for, like, if every time your dick was hard, I was like, let's do it. Like, my vagina would be broken. <laughs> <laughs> so, I just think that's really funny. It, it worked. The comedy of it really worked. So, I'm not going to, like, nitpick, but... <laughs> Um, well, one of my favorite, and I think most iconic scenes is, uh, when they introduce number four, the copy of a copy. Yeah. I just love that. It's really funny. And as a graphic designer, I feel like there's many a meme about that. There's, I felt that, that humor very hard. Are you, you loving me? Yeah. I'm just being weirdly overtly horny right now. It's so hot. That's okay. Okay. I don't mind. All right. Um, so a couple of YouTube comments. Um, so the tinfoil scene, uh, 
I just loved the overwhelming response in the comments for that scene of people who are like, I think about this every time I'm touching tinfoil. Like, <laughs> uh, this movie changed the way I wrapped my leftovers. Whenever I wrap something in foil, I remember my enemy is air. Uh, this movie was very influential to me. Every time I use foil, I think of this scene since 1996. I just think that's really cute and funny. Mm -hmm. Like, of course, uh, I definitely will be thinking about that next time I use tinfoil. <laughs> and then in Which general... Which is never. When do you ever use tinfoil? Yeah, not often. Uh, that's what Tupperware is for. Right. Or Ziploc baggies. Uh, one other comment that was just in general, I think it was from one of the last scenes in the movie. This is a little more serious, but this guy, his sandal is Jesus Saves, six years ago said, the movie made me sad a bit when you think about it. All of the memories of their family and all the clones of having kids, uh, an amazing wife, and they were forced to leave and then they have to let go of that family too. I think too far into it, but it's really a very truly sad ending. Terrible grammar within that whole thing. But um well Jesus saves here has he does have a good point. It's just that this the tone of this movie is way too lighthearted to deal with any of like subject matter like that because right. none of that is funny. No. This is a comedy through and through. Yeah. I had moments though like in this movie where I was thinking about like well, that's sad cuz like they've made this clone and if they had never met each other, if they were not in the same space within this story, that clone could just go and live its life and not know that it was a clone because it still has all of the skills, the memories, the know-how, like all of the things that original Doug had. So it is really kind of sad, like the whole nobody fucks my wife thing and like they don't get to spend time with the kids or, you know, they like they just don't get that life anymore. And that is kind of sad. Right. Well, yeah. Or like, if you want to go even deeper, it's like one day they just wake up and the, they like the core of their personality and the way that they carry themselves and think is different. Right. Right. So like, think about number three, like one day he just wakes up and not only is he no, no longer, uh, you know, original Doug number one, mm -hmm. but he's also like kind of gay and just totally Right. Feminine, kind of. and right. Or number four. I don't even, you know. Right. Whatever. Well, yeah, and it's kind of interesting. I mean, obviously, it's like this movie doesn't take itself too seriously because how did all of those Dougs just, like, perfectly have the right personality to take on that avenue of Doug's life? Like, I'm thinking about how uh, later on, I, I think it's in my emotional take, I talk about what I would split like what Mally's I would have and want and want them all to do. But like my personality would still be the same with all of them though, whether it was like a work Mally or this Mally or that Mally, like can, can the Mally that was really not very nice to me earlier today when I accidentally <laughs> dropped your passport in the parking lot of the driver's license center. Can that one just, can you like, surgically remove that one can that you possible? surgically remove your face <laughs> from your body and go fuck yourself uh yeah with my severed face yeah <clears throat> we already had a good discussion about that and i apologize I know. you did and she's wonderful and i just wanted everyone else out there to understand some of what i go through no shut the fuck 
<laughs> Which is nothing at all. You're wonderful. I have, I have no complaints. You know, you and I really, I feel like we do a really good job of just, like, accepting. There are some things about one another that, like, aren't the most awesome, but you can't change anything like i can't change the things about you that make me want to fucking punch a baby because then it would change <laughs> hide your babies all of, it would change all of you i love you for all of you even the things that could be perceived as imperfections yeah well i mean it's it's not like my imperfections are a mystery you know I all know. right yeah mine either like we were joking after that whole thing i'm like sorry for the like 15 percent of the time that i'm an absolute cunt to you <laughs> It's not, it's more like 13% of the time. <laughs> Just kidding. Actually. <laughs> uh, okay, well, what scenes didn't you like? Um, The spaghetti and coke scene with oh, number four. That was yeah. so gross. That, I forgot about that. That was, yeah, it was like, it kind of reminded me a little bit of that scene from Elf where, where Buddy the Elf is like pouring maple syrup and stuff on his spaghetti, but this was like way worse. Yeah, because it had all the like gross slurpy mouth sounds and shit. Yeah, and just spaghetti sauce all over his face and just thinking about it makes my stomach turn. Yuck. My least favorite thing is not any one particular scene, but it happens throughout the movie. Original Doug being jealous and super territorial about his wife was not my favorite. I mean, that's the difference, I guess, between... Well, you know what? That is not a difference between the 90s and now. It's a difference between my lifestyle that I live now, being polyamorous, and monogamy. Like, we talk about this in our poly life. Often there is a thing called toxic monogamy, and things like that are pretty toxic. Obviously, if you are monogamous, you don't want other people fucking your wife. But in this set of circumstances, it really is more of a polyamorous situation. Like, they all love her. And she loves all love them because they're all parts of him. Like, they should all just be fucking each other. Well, okay, here's a question for you. Hot take. I don't know if this actually qualifies as a hot take because I don't fully know what that means, but (laughs) full disclosure. (laughs) But, like, what if Andy McDowell's character knew that Doug had gone and cloned himself? What would her relationship be like with all of the different Dougs? Right. Well, yeah. I mean, you and I get to experience, through being polyamorous, this concept of, you know, you find different things in different people that are fulfilling it's it is unhealthy to think and believe that you can get every single thing that you need as a human being from one person and i feel like monogamous people you know they get a lot from their partner and then they get things from their friends or family members or whatever unless it ends up being cheating and whatever because they're not being fulfilled relationship wise whatever but like in being poly we get to experience that on such a deep level and it makes you really appreciate the things about each partner and how they're different and whatever. Like if I, if I meet another dude and I like him for X, Y, or Z reason, it only highlights things that I love about you even more. Every time I meet someone, I'm just like, God, 
Like, I don't connect with anyone the way that I connect with you. And it's fun to play with other people. And I hope to fall in love with more people in my future. But nothing will be like with you. Well, you're sweet. See, now I'm thinking about, like, if I were... Okay, so if I was in Andy McDowell's shoes, and all of a sudden you had cloned yourself. Mm-hmm. Hopefully not, like, a number four situation, but, like... <laughs> yeah. Because I don't... That, that's, I think I, I have... Uh, just to foreshadow, I've got five Mallies. Ooh, spicy. Yeah. But I mean, you like tying back in with polyamory, you know, like four Mallories would be amazing. I would be so happy because there's would. there would always be a Mallory available to play with me and love me and cuddle me. Yeah. You know? Oh, maybe I need a, just one, one <laughs> Mally just for Jonah. That doesn't have any other responsibilities. Because, <laughs> <laughs> well, I always need attention and I always need love. Yeah. But, of course, like, that's why I... That's why being poly works for that's us why, on that level. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's why it works for me. That's why it works for us. And that's why it works for you. One of the reasons why. I mean... Right. You know. Right. Like, There's an unending list of reasons why it works, but that is one of them. Yeah. But having two women love me at the same time is the i'm so happy yeah i there's nothing like that you know and um it doesn't make me love you any less or appreciate you any less or no you know whenever another person loves you i'm like so grateful for that person because i see definition of compersion i see the happiness that you are experiencing and it just there's just all this gratitude and just happy feelings floating around inside. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. You're amazing. We're, we're in poly mode hardcore right now. There's been a lot of dating and meeting some really amazing people. And yeah, we're in the thick of it. And it's... We are. And I feel like for the first time in a long time, we're just really going for it. And that feels good. Yeah. Yeah. We're communicating like constantly all the time, every day. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. Our scope has widened, too, you know? Right. Like, we're accepting of whatever the universe has to offer, seemingly. Yeah. Well, that was a nice little polyamory corner. Yeah. What were we talking about again? Um, The original Doug being jealous and territorial. Right. Not my favorite. Okay. Not my favorite thing. So, toxic monogamy, Doug. Yes. Uh, Body count. I'm going to kill everybody. It is going to be fantastic. Body count. Zero. Moving on. (laughs) Uh, Okay, Mallory's They Need to Fuck category. This will be interesting. Mallory's They Need to Fuck. If you're new to the podcast, this category is uh, geared towards me. Uh, usually when we're watching movies or TV shows, there is a moment where I'm like, they're going to fuck or they need to fuck. And it just kind of became a running joke. And now it's a category. And Jonah gives me five different options of combinations of characters from this movie and it, that, that are going to theoretically fuck. And I have to pick one. Yeah. So here we go. Okay. Number one, Vic and the wrong driveway. 
Jesus. Remember Vic as Eugene Levy? Yep. So he, yeah, he's got to fuck the, that wrong driveway. Okay. All right. All right. Noreen and Andy McDowell. So Noreen was um, Anne Cusack's character, oh, the redhead. Okay. So just the two hottest chicks in the movie. All right. They could. They Hot could, 90s chicks? Yeah, they can scissor. Um, number four and his pizza. Oh. He kind of does. Yeah, I did not enjoy the sound of him, like, folding that piece of pizza up and putting it in his wallet. After he licks it, he's, like, Uh, licking the pizza. The sound design is quite disgusting in this movie. Yeah. Um, Number three, and the tinfoil. Tuck, tuck, fold. (laughs) We don't want air in there. Why? Because air is our enemy. (laughs) And number five, Noreen... Andy McDowell and me in a threesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Please choose that one. I'll choose that one. Thank you. You're so sweet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that would be, that'd be fun. That'd be fun. And like, it would have, there'd have to be some sort of apparatus to transport them here or transport us there. Cause it would be more fun if it were, you know, them in 1996. Correct. Probably or 1995 Although, when they shot the film. Uh, Andy McDowell still looks great. Yeah. Rage. Now she's like a cougar. I'm like looking at the book on my bookshelf, Made, M-A-I-D, mm-hmm. that they made into a TV show on Netflix. And Andy McDowell's daughter is the lead character. And Andy McDowell plays her mother in the show. And uh, it's really interesting to see her, like how old she is now. And she's aged really great. She's aged really well. <sighs> um. Okay. Favorite quotes. What do you got, Jacobson? Uh, I don't remember when this was from, but somebody said anything with barbecue sauce. That was from the restaurant scene. Oh, okay. Because, like, uh, so number one, Doug, he has to go to the bathroom or whatever, and she's like, wait, Doug, what if, you know, what if we need to order? And he's like, you know what I like, uh, anything with uh, barbecue sauce. <laughs> Your impression of Michael Keaton is really good. Yeah? Yeah, I'm impressed. I suppose you've probably seen the Batman movies 10,000 times. Um, or, I mean, I'm just good at some impressions. As as you listeners would know from all of my, like, little category voiceover-y things. Very true. Very know. true. Um, I'm going to kill everybody. It is going to be fantastic. <laughs> like that, for example. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They've already heard that. Right, they have, but I really want them, I really want to drive it home. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> I chuckle every time number four calls it his Pepe. My, my Pepe. My Pepe. She touched my Pepe, Doug. <laughs> so stupid and is really annoying to me most of the time but he has his moments and then i just i love the quote about you know how you make a copy of a copy you know it's not you know the sharpest <laughs> it's just it just is perfect it's perfect and it and i love that they they don't dwell on that fact you know they just really quick easy easy um uh logic to follow and moving on you know like mm-hmm. he's he's stupid because he's a copy of a copy <laughs> What about you? What do you got for favorite quotes? Um, so the scene in the beginning when he's uh, when Michael Keaton, you know, Doug, he's negotiating with the guy who the scientist guy who's going to yeah. clone him or whatever. He's like, so what would you, uh, you know, uh, nothing fancy, uh, you know, just a basic clone job cost. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like really impressed with your impression. I'm too busy to talk to myself. Uh, that, I thought that was really funny. Oh, here's my Mally quote. I always do a Mally quote every time. You said, wow, her vag can really take a beating. <laughs> About Andy McDowell when she had sex with all the clones in one night. 
<laughs> Good job. Did I say that? Wow. Uh, they offered to nuke my corn dog. Do you remember that? So like when the, they're like, yeah, it's the corn dog girls from the gas station. Oh yeah. And they bring them. The clones bring them up to the garage apartment. <laughs> and and the and the all time best. Uh, Andy McDowell's like, want some? And he's like, yep. <laughs> and she's standing there in the shirt and like yep. licking the peanut butter off the spoon. <laughs> Oh, yep. yep, I would <laughs> I would also want some of that. Um, okay. Let's jump into alternate porn title. Uh, it's time for oh, alternate porn uh, title. Oh god, yeah. All right. What's yours? I'm going to have trouble saying it. Multipenicity. Multipenicity? Yeah. Multipen Right, you gotta have that space there. Yeah. All right, I am so sorry, but I'm about to destroy you. Hey, I'm used to it. All right. Multi-bitch titty. A clone gangbang bukkake adventure directed by Harry Anus. <laughs> That's great. And scene, thank that you. That's wonderful. Can I read it one more time? Yeah. Multi-bitch titty. <laughs> Bitch titty! A clone gangbang bukkake adventure. Directed by Harry Anus. <laughs> Bitch titty. <laughs> That's just tickling my funny bone. Whew. All right. All right. Ooh, a new intro. It's a day. So, Diane moment, noticing things in the background. Diane was my mother. She would always point out shit in the background instead of paying attention to the actual scene. So we made it into a category. The only thing that I have is um, I, I made a note of the Head and Shoulders logo. I just really love creeping on like 80s and 90s movies to see like what logos are different. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm always looking at like chip bags or pop cans and whatever. Yeah. Like... So, yeah, I just, I took note of the Head and Shoulders logo was way different, and that was cool. I actually, for some reason, like, lately, I've seen on people's um, Facebook feeds and stuff, like, people will just be, like, posting all these photos from malls in the 80s, and it's just so cool to see, like, you know, KB Toys and Orange Julius and... Yeah! All these stores Orange that, Julius is bomb. They still have those, though. Isn't they there do? one at the Mall of America? I think so. The, the logo's been updated since, but... What do you have for Diane Moment? Um, the U-Haul prices were way cheaper. So in the opening credits, oh, there, yeah. it like shows LA highways or whatever. And there's a U-Haul going down the road. Um, and yeah, it has like the different prices on the back of it for the different size U-Hauls. And since we just moved and we just had to purchase a U-Haul for a few days or whatever. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. Wow. Inflation. Yeah. We got the biggest one they offer. Yeah. We filled that bitch twice. Yeah. Uh, music score and soundtrack. Music score and... Okay. <laughs> music score and soundtrack. Music score and soundtrack. Score and soundtrack. Score and soundtrack. Music score and soundtrack. Music score and soundtrack. Music score. Music score and 
sound trick. I will let you talk about it because my only note is that it's cheesy, tell you how to feel type of score music. You're missing the point. Oh, uh, you're so, missing the point. You're missing. You're, f- you're fucking. So Shut up. the score was composed by George Fenton, who also did Groundhog Day, and I definitely recognized his kind of signature style that he's got going on. It's a very whimsical and fun score that incorporates a lot of tuba and clarinets and woodwinds yeah. to evoke a very lighthearted, funny feel. Yeah. Really and I thought goofy. it was masterfully done. I really enjoyed it. So oh. I respectfully disagree with your assessment. I respectfully accept your disagreement with my assessment. And then the only song I remember from it is the Montel Jordan's This Is How We Do It. <laughs> Because that's the song playing when they're having the party. This is how we do it. It's, it's Friday, Friday night. And I feel all right. The party's here on the west side. <laughs> <laughs> this is how we do it. Oh, your mouth. Let's hop into movie magic. I thought this little tidbit was fun. So these these little facts are really just from IMDb. But um, they had to do a lot of special effects, green screen, uh, shit, stand-ins, whatever, to make all the multiple dugs happen. And this was a cool happenstance while they were doing all that shit. So in filming the shot in which Doug number one introduces Doug number three to Doug number two, Doug number two tosses a beer to Doug number one. Michael Keaton catching the beer tossed by a body double was shot first. Keaton tossing the beer this time to a body double was filmed later. Keaton's toss so perfectly matched the body double's original toss that the planned special effect of digitally erasing the tossed beer can and then adding in a digital beer can was not needed at all, thereby saving the production quite a bit of money. This was referred to by the special effects crew as the million dollar miracle beer can toss. (laughs) It's a really elaborate story, but uh, I just thought that was super funny. According to director Harold Ramis, He wrote much of the script uncredited, like we were talking about earlier. A Writer's Guild rule prevents directors from getting a writing credit on their film unless they contribute to more than 50%. He contributed 40% of the screenplay. So, fun fact. So we can know that he wrote 40% of it and appreciate that. Right. Regardless. Genius, tiny detail thought. Michael Keaton doesn't wear a wedding ring throughout the whole movie to prevent continuity errors. That would have been such a bitch. Remembering to just take off a ring every time you're playing a different Doug. Although, theoretically, I feel like all of them probably should have just worn one then. But yeah. Whatever. That would have been the other. Well, yeah. But all then or where nothing. Would, but where would they get other wedding rings, though? Right, right, right. That are the exact same. Good call. Michael Keaton was originally considered for Bill Murray's role in Groundhog Day, which was also directed by Harold Ramis. And his love interest in that movie was Andy McDowell, who also played the wife in this movie. But Keaton turned it down. Can I just say, all right, Groundhog Day is in my top five movies of all time. I think you know that. Yeah. Okay. We really need to watch it. I think I've only seen it like once. I can't imagine anyone but Bill Murray playing that role because it's so, it's his it's his best role at fucking ever with a close second being his character in Kingpin. But um, I don't think 
that the movie would be better or worse if it had Michael Keaton. And it would just be different. It would just be a little different. Yeah. It would, yeah, maybe even very different, but it still would be amazing. And this movie is proof of that. Like, yes, this movie, Multiplicity, did not receive like the critical accolades. Like, people didn't like it as much overall and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But like, Michael Keaton, all he needs to do is like, this this movie, Multiplicity, is Michael Keaton's, like, mic drop moment because he is so incredible in it. And I think that I would like to see, I wish, like, in an alternate reality universe where Michael Keaton played Phil Connors in Groundhog Day also. Yeah. The thing that's kind of cool to think about is how much Bill Murray uh, improvs on set. You know, like, when we were doing the... Ghostbusters episode we talked a lot about how much you know everything that he does in that movie is just all like improv right on the spot I'm sure the script to Groundhog Day didn't have nearly the amount of you know what Bill Murray brought to it in terms of you know right thinking on his feet type of thing So, digital cloning of the same person in a scene was still off by several years when this movie was made. Therefore, scenes where each of Michael Keaton's characters were interacting with one another, they were filmed separately with the same camera movements and then layered over one another. There is a whole article, and I'll share it on our social media, uh, that was like a look back... um, on an interview they had done around the time the movie was released with a dude named Richard Endland, who uh, is from Boss Film Studios, and that's the film studio that was hired to do all the special effects. And it, it's it's all pretty uh, techy reading about it, so I didn't include any of those tidbits in here because I think I'd put you all to sleep. But if you're interested, I will share that article. Check it out. I'm going to share this photo that I've got up on the screen right now, which is just like a cool, like multi-paned photo that shows like the green screen of each Doug at the mirror when they're like shaving in the morning. And uh, yeah, it's cool. And then, you know, you pointed out Glenn Shaddix, who was like the inspector guy that he was Otho from Beetlejuice. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, just kind of a cool, fun fact. Michael Keaton and Glenn Shaddix were... And he was in Demolition Man, which we talked about in that episode. Right, right. Is that what you just said? No. No. Sorry. I mean, that was the movie that we've talked about him before in. Yeah. Because I brought, because I I looked up what happened to him and he died from cancer or something. I can't remember. Mm. Uh, Yeah. So that's all I have for movie magic. I feel like most of the movie magic tidbits are just centered around all of the special effects used and all the stand-ins and the green screen action and you know the layering things you know special effects were not what they are today then so super fun yeah okay hey jacobson hey jacobson who would you bone who would you bone baby who would you If I had to choose, I would bone Doug number two, because he reminds me of Beetlejuice, and it's kind of hot. Interesting. I was not expecting that. Not that I think Beetlejuice is hot, but 
I don't know, there was just like such a warm, fuzzy familiarity in my heart whenever two like got into that really like gruff Beetlejuice zone. I was just mm-hmm. like, <sighs> um, do you think Michael Keaton is hot? Not really. Okay, I've always actually wondered about that, and I haven't really thought to ask any ladies that question. <laughs> no, it's kind of interesting. Like, when we were watching this movie, I don't know, it's like, when you go back and you watch these movies from the 90s, and they're like, you know, with iconic actors and whatever, but like, we are out of that time period now. Michael Keaton is still relevant, you know? I mean, he did that, whatever, that fucking bird, whatever movie, Birdman movie. Yeah, and he was in the Spider-Man movie. Yeah, yeah. So, like, you know, he's still making movies, but he's older now. But, like, when he was in his quote-unquote prime, he really just, he's one of those actors that just looks like every man. Like, he's not outstandingly handsome. He's just a normal-looking dude. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I think I have an idea of who you would bone. Yeah, I was actually closer than I thought. I got to go with Andy McDowell because of the, like, when she's in that button-up shirt and the, mm-hmm. the want some yup scene. Um, but a very oh, close yeah, silver medal. Go- sorry. But a very close silver medal goes to Noreen, who is played by Anne Cusack. She was, like, when she was all, like, dolled up and everything to go to dinner with number two. Right. I was like, damn, she is hot. Yeah. Yeah, for some reason, my bisexual brain didn't kick in when thinking of who I would bone. Just looking, just going off of looks alone, I guess I would pick Andy McDowell for also introducing ladies into the mix. But I don't know, there's something about her personality in this movie that kind of turns me off, so. Yeah, I mean, she's like kind of the wet blanket. Yeah, just like the naggy wife. Ladies are always in the mix, so. Yeah. Uh, Who would you not bone? Uh, Number four, a.k.a. Lenny. (laughs) Same. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, just gross. Gross, all those gross mouth sounds and the food and the yeah. ew. So that means I would rather, if I had to choose, that I would rather bone Eugene Levy than, than like, <laughs> special big, needs. eyebrows. Uh, Michael Keaton. Okay. Ooh, all right. Wait, and so who would you not bone? I said same. Oh, yeah. I was there. <laughs> I was there. Uh, all right, here is another new intro. Controversial take, baby, controversial take. This controversial take is thicker than a steak. Controversial take, baby, Henry who? I heard a man at home, heard a one after. Controversial take, baby, yeah. What is your controversial take, my dear? All right, the whole number four being, and I put this in quotes, retarded thing, uh, it was actually very well done, and it was really funny, but I'm sure it wouldn't fly in today's cancel culture society. No. No. And then maybe even, like, if you want to dive deeper into things that people would have a problem with today, like, the fact that, like, Andy McDowell had sex with the clones without knowing they were clones, so then was that, like, deceitful, you know, or whatever? Right. I don't know. But yeah. again, like, this is supposed to be fun and lighthearted. Exactly. Like, people, people want to ruin shit. You know, they want to go back to a movie that came out 10, 20, 30 years ago and be like, well, you know, this was problematic or whatever. But, like, exactly. just, it is what it is. Right. If it was problematic then, cool, that was then. And that is why we are growing now. Mm-hmm. Shut up. Shut it. My controversial take, don't have kids and all your fucking problems are gone. 
I thought that too. <laughs> They'd have way more quality time without their stupid kids. <laughs> Money wouldn't be so tight, so none of the like job bullshit would have been an issue. And they both have the freedom to fully explore whatever career they wanted because they're not like, she doesn't have to be a stay-at-home mom and he doesn't have to be in a job that he hates. Like... People choose these lives for themselves and they think that, like, that's just the way it's supposed to be. It doesn't have to be like that. Don't be fucking dumb. I mean, kids happen sometimes, too. You know, like, right. I love my daughter. I had her when I was in my 20s. Right. You know, yeah. and hashtag no regerts. Yeah. But your um, daughter's amazing. I'm right. so glad. She's so amazing. Yeah. Um, But. But I yeah. wasn't in it when I when we when we had her, uh, we were not in a good financial position to do so. And then it added stress to my relationship with her mom. Yeah. Because we were always like struggling to get by and diapers are expensive and, yeah, you know. Yeah. So. Uh, kudos to the people out there who have their kids a little bit later or like wait until they're financially stable to like make the conscious decision. Mm, that's why yeah. shmushmortions. Come on, don't, don't, don't get me fucking started on the shmushmorshin conversation. Let's not start with that. All right, let's move on to emotional take. Hey, kids. <laughs> Are you ready for some emotions? <laughs> How about some cakes and candy? <laughs> emotional take. <laughs> Oh. I'm so jazzed by these new intros. I hope that the clown one doesn't give anyone nightmares. nightmares. I hope it does. All <laughs> oh right. God. You don't love the clown one. That was the emotional take one, too. So Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right. What's your emotional take? I really, <laughs> I really relate to Keaton's character, Doug, being too busy and having too much responsibility. Um, But I also cannot imagine a life where I'm not constantly achieving goals, setting goals for myself and working to achieve those goals. You know this about me now. Right. When it comes to anything. Yeah. Um, So I don't I don't find myself like longing for just just to be able to like go golfing all day or to take vacations all the time or anything like that, because maybe I'm just not wired that way. Yeah. You know, Yeah. like vacations give me anxiety because I'm not accomplishing anything. Right. And maybe... I'm definitely not like that. Right. <laughs> well, be glad that I am like that, because it's helping us move ahead in the world. Well, yeah. I love that aspect of your personality, because you're never complacent. You never, never. just... You're never like, okay, I got where I wanted to be. I'm done. But you never do that, and you never will. And I love that about you. It's so inspirational. You're just such a tenacious Aries, and I love it. You like my tenacious D. Yeah, I do. So my emotional take, uh, I would, on one hand, I, I would love to have more versions of me to tackle all the things I want to tackle, because I just feel like there's not enough time. There's not enough time in my fucking day to get everything done. So the versions of me that I would like to have. So I guess there's just original me. So that's one. Uh, a podcast, Mally. I would love to just, like, throw my whole fucking everything into this podcast, and I feel like that could really push it, you know, like, if I were just fucking getting it, even, even, not even full-time, but just, like, part-time, you know? I could be, you know, putting out 
bunch of ads. I mean, I mean, I've boosted plenty of posts throughout the, you know, like year and a half that we've been doing this, but like, just really go hard. Uh, a housewife, Mally, uh, just to do all the fucking, the vacuuming and the scooping of the cat shit and the dishes and the cleaning out the car and the painting of the Airbnb room and just, just all, all those things. I gladly do them, but like, if I could just have a whole nother me to do that, that'd be cool. Uh, marketing Mally to do all my marketing jobs. Just do that shit for me. I get really fucking tired of doing it. I don't want to do it forever. <laughs> like, can someone just do that for me? Um, can I, wait, uh, they, our audience cannot see your face when you do that, but you punctuated every sentence. You were like, a marketing Mally. <laughs> like this, like one face. Yeah, yeah I do super that. funny. Sorry to interrupt. Um, Athletic Mally. I, everything about me and about my life just drains on my ability to like commit to just being athletic. <laughs> I, I love going to yoga classes and bar classes and kickboxing classes and running and all the things, but like I don't do it barely at all because I get exhausted by everything else. And then I'm like, where is the fucking couch? And then Polly Mally, you know, the half the battle of being polyamorous is scheduling and time. But if you were only if there was only a Polly Mally, that right. would, all you would be doing is like dating and having well, right. sex. Well, actually, that doesn't sound that bad. The, the So after I wrote all of these out, I made the point in my notes. The crux of all of this is that I want to be all of these things. I would be jealous as original Mally, I'd be jealous of podcast Mally because I want to do the podcast stuff. And I'd be jealous of Polly Mally because I want to be experiencing all of that love and whatever. And when we talked about that, there'd just be a Jonah Mally. I'd be jealous of that Mally because she just would get to spend all of her time with Jonah and not do anything else. You know, I maybe wouldn't be jealous of Housewife Mally, but, um, you know. That's, and I feel like that's sort of the point a little bit of this movie. When we talk about impact and influence, that's when I want to talk about some of the things that Harold Ramis had to say about this movie that are very poignant. Uh, but yeah, for me, that's kind of the takeaway. It's like, okay, yeah, you could split yourself up so you get more things accomplished. But in the end, it's about, you know, you finding a balance of being all of those things and finding you're happy in that. And the Oscar goes to... Uh, Michael Keaton, for sure. Yeah. It was actually a really smart um, move to center the whole movie around him and his ability to play... He's fabulous. ...clones of himself that are all very different. Yeah. Yeah. He's perfect. You, they could have switched it, too. Like, you know, we were talking about how, like, Keaton was up for the for Bill Murray's role in yeah. Groundhog Day. Like, can you imagine Bill Murray in this movie? Oh, that also would have been amazing. That would have been really funny. Yeah. I would... Yeah, I'd enjoy that. This is a movie that, like... As much as I hate to say it, and you may, like, bitch slap me for it, I wouldn't mind to see a modern remake of it, just to see what, how they would do it differently. Like, think about it. So, that age group is us. That age group is millennials. Mm -hmm. And our set of problems that we have, some of them are so comically stupid that that would make for a really funny script. And, like, you know, there'd be, like, the adult version of this person. There'd be, like, the teenagery version of this person. Because I feel like all millennials are just, like, emotionally stunted. 
because we're stupid. (laughs) And it just all things, you know, that I feel like that'd be awesome. And then, you know, it's like, we're all like, oh, I'm adulting every time we have to like, do something grown up. Like just the fact that we need to point that out. We're just such a different generation. It would be a really interesting remake. Hey, Jacobson. Hey, Jacobson. Uh, Give this movie a one through a ten. I gave it a seven and a half. Okay. Solid movie, but I'm not like dying in love with it because a lot of it was kind of predictable for me. Yeah. Okay. I really enjoy this movie and I could maybe go as high as an eight and be happy with that. But I really agree with what Roger Ebert had to say about the movie in his review that he did in 96. He gave it two and a half stars. And the end of his review says, watching the film, I enjoyed a lot of it, especially Keaton's permutations on the theme of himself. But I wondered why the possibilities weren't taken to greater comic extremes. How about a gay Doug? A mean one. A blackmailing Doug who threatens to go public. How about Laura finding out what's going on, which she doesn't do during a long, long night with the clones. How about elevating the material to true screwball instead of saying, staying at the level of sitcom and human comedy? As it is, the promising material of multiplicity gets awfully thin. It feels more like a short film grown long, which is death to a comedy. And why, oh why, doesn't Anarch... Anarch... I know what they're trying to say. Anarch? Anarchic? 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 Anarchic spirit, like Harold Ramis, once a resident anarchist at Second City, feel obligated to provide a sweet little moral at the end of this fable. Why not run wild and see what happens? I actually really agree with that assessment. This movie kind of goes in all directions where you think it will, and that doesn't make it suck at all, but eh, I, I kind of agree. You know, just it felt a little tame. Could have been. Like, they could have pushed the envelope more. Exactly. Exactly. So, that would be my really only critique and why it's not, like, a nine or something for me. Yeah. I mean, to me, the movie really, it sort of, um, it sort of just, like, builds up and centers itself around what I wrote down as my two favorite scenes or sequences. hmm You know, where it's, like, it's just, like, set up and then hilarity ensues. Right. The clone boning sequence, the restaurant sequence, and so- every- everything else is kind of, like kind of filler maybe and that might be a criticism that i would have right for it even what, though what I, it was you? just I, I it's all funny though like i'm laughing the whole time yeah what'd you give it i gave it a nine and like groundhog day is obviously a 10 to me okay all right but, so this is a nine it's not quite as good but it's sort of similar um mm-hmm. classic character driven uh you know harold ramus comedy to me, he was kind of firing on all cylinders. Like, I, I would disagree with some of what that review said, but I don't know. I mean, it's definitely not a 10. Yeah. You know, but like this movie, like I've also seen it a hundred times. It was a big part of my childhood. Yeah. Too. So yeah, I have so there's I, a little bit of a nostalgia factor. Right. I don't. Yeah. I mean, a 7.5 is, I don't, that's fine. Yeah. I'm not upset about your score. Well, good. Um, impact and influence of this movie on the industry. What have you got? Um, it's a nice follow-up to Groundhog's Day, which came out three years earlier in 93, and one of my all-time favorite comedies, um, and had a lot of the same actors as Groundhog Day, too. So it had the same composer, um, had a lot of the same actors, and so it sort of had that kind of tone to it. Yeah. I feel like. Yeah. So it makes sense why you liked it so much. 
Right. Right. So for impact and influence, I just found this super, super interesting. Uh, I was looking at a interview. I think it was an interview with Harold Ramis back in 96 with the Los Angeles Daily News. I loved what he had to say about this. And then I will relate it to like now and impact and influence. Uh He said that the film's really about growth, understanding how we should live our lives. He said, I couldn't be less interested in the subject of cloning or its moral implications. For me, it's not about the hook. It's a fable that says something about life. From an early age, we're told by TV, movies, advertising, and family what a man is, Remus explained. We start role modeling ourselves, but we're working off of contradictory models. Real men are supposed to be Casanovas and seduce as many women as they can. But at the same time, a real man is faithful to his wife and family. We're supposed to be strong, aggressive and competitive, but also caring, understanding and emotional. We need to work hard at our jobs, but then have time to take the family skiing and drive the kids to ballet and karate lessons and the orthodontist, keep the car clean, read a book and even think a thought. (laughs) All of these pressures result in people getting more fragmented. We thought the most convenient breakup of this guy would be in the most obvious components, the more masculine, the more feminine and nurturing, and the inner child sides. The movie suggests, however, that the answer isn't to get more fragmented, but more integrated. I don't just sit around thinking what would be cool to do in a movie anymore, Ramis said. I think about what's important enough to me to spend a couple of my years, a couple of years of my life working on. With this one, I feel I've achieved a good balance of comedy, weirdness, and humanity. I absolutely just loved everything that he had to say there. So two points that I want to make from that. One, I feel like this movie's kind of before its time in that it's like recognizing the unfair pressures that we put on men and boys to like, quote unquote, be a man. And that's really been a topic in society for the past maybe decade about, you know, like treating little boys like they can, it's okay to cry. It's okay to have emotions. And it ties into the whole, you know, acceptance of, you know, queer culture and trans kids and, you know, all that ties into it too, in a certain way. But, um, it's so true. It's so true. And like, when we think about this concept, I feel like we're more so thinking about it in the scope of women and how like, how, like, what are you? Are you the stay at home mom? Are you the career woman? Are you, you know, the virgin? Or are you the Madonna? Or wait, is that the same thing? I don't know. Are you the whore? Or are you the virgin? You know, like, but they want all of those things to live in one person. It's the same thing for men. And you know, maybe we're just not harping that in the way that this movie sort of does it, because it's based around a straight white man. So, of course, the, you know, society today is probably like, we don't give a fuck about that anymore. But um, I feel like he's a little bit before his time in bringing that up, because when it comes to children and raising men, we're being a little bit more aware of that. And then my number two point goes to what he said about he, you know, thinks he achieved a good balance of comedy, weirdness, and humanity in this movie. We don't see quirky films like this anymore. We just don't. The 90s is such a special era of filmmaking, and it just stands on its own. Yeah, I'm sure if Harold Ramis were still alive, he'd still 
he'd still be making movies like this because he's not, he wasn't a person that was going to, um, sacrifice his artistic integrity to just do something commercial. Right. Right. Like, and he's he, big he, enough that he didn't yeah, have to. He was already successful. Everyone knew who he was, you know, from all of his eighties movies and stuff. And cause of groundhog day at this point. Right. So, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, in the, was it the ghostbusters episode? We had the Harold Ramis kind of tribute part, yeah. or whatever, you know, so if you listen to that, you know how I feel. I just love the man. So, yeah. And I, it just kind of warms my heart reading those words about the dichotomy of what we expect men to be coming from him. Cause knowing how much you love him makes me love him. And I feel like we talk about this often. It comes up a lot in our poly life. You know, your heart gets stomped on a lot cause you're, putting yourself out there and making yourself vulnerable. So I know for you, it's like, it's hard for you sometimes to be down and feel sad or feel emotional. And it's like, I shouldn't, I shouldn't feel like this. I'm a man, but it's like, no, you are allowed. You are allowed to be all of the things. You're sweet. I love you. I love you. Okay. I am actually really pumped for Jonah's bullet points. Usually I feel like this is the moment when Jonah's going to like rip apart whatever movie I liked, but. (laughs) This isn't your pick. It's not my pick. Jonah's bullet points. It's the things I want to say, but I don't want to talk about. Mally and I are the kids in this movie. We have their personalities, like the duty head. That's <laughs> us, but with the responsibility of the two parents. So I guess basically I just described millennials. Um, <laughs> Mally started laughing a ton in the restaurant scene, which was classic. So I I knew that like that was when the movie had really roped mm-hmm. you in, was at that point. The physical comedy. The comedy is mostly very smart and relies on Keaton's skills Except the whole number four thing. He was kind of throwaway, dumb laughs. Yeah. You know, like, haha, he's licking pizza or he's shaving his tongue or whatever. <laughs> um, Remy, I'm sorry, Ramis, direct, Ramis directed and co-produced, and his stamp is all over this. It, to me, it's pure brilliance. Lots of similarities to Groundhog Day. Um, something supernatural occurs to a regular kind of dude. Hilarity ensues, and the character grows and matures as a result. Yeah. The end. Archetype. This movie was overshadowed by Groundhog Day, which feels a little unfair. Um, Like, yes, Groundhog Day is one of my all-time top favorite movies. However, this movie is a different movie and is fucking fantastic. So it shouldn't be overshadowed by another movie. And, like, Groundhog Day came out three years earlier anyway. There's plenty of time. Right. And then, in conclusion, the kids were in this movie were super annoying, yet somehow still adorable. uh, Maybe because of their limited screen time. (laughs) <laughs> yeah you know when he's like um what is it number two he's like getting getting the daughter ready for ballet and he's just like trying to put her tutu on and it's all fucked up <laughs> yeah so that, that was, was pretty that comical. was a lols lols and that's it that is it i am glad that you made me watch this movie it's been one that i've wanted to watch but just haven't had the opportunity or means to so thank you you're welcome. You know, there's a Michael Keaton movie called The Dream Team. Um, me and my dad were talking about it the other day because we started talking about Michael Keaton because I told him we were doing this movie for the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, The Dream Team. It's got And Peter Boyle is in it, too. You know, Peter Boyle from Everybody Loves Raymond. He was oh, the dad. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's really funny. 
We used to rent it from the video store in the 80s. Because I'm old. You're not old. You're sexy. Mm. You're sexy. I saw a post the other day on Facebook. It was like someone shared an album of photos. and It was side-by-sides of actors like when they were young versus now. And it's like, here's a bunch of actors who are aging like fine wine. And you are one of those. Oh, I was on the list of actors that are aging like fine wine. Yeah, you were. So I'm picking, okay, as of right now, at this time of recording, I am picking next week. But in between this episode on multiplicity and that episode, we will have a mini-sode. Not sure which one I'm going to have. If I'm going to do Phoenix Rising Part 2 or our mini-sode on Labyrinth. Mm-hmm. Which was so fun. I feel like it's a tiny bit longer than a mini-sode. Yeah. But it's just because we had a lot to say. So uh, that will be maybe maybe the, the pattern going forward. We'll see if we can keep up with that. But I have a post-it note in front of me of the movies that I want to do. And I am doing all of the movies on this post-it. I would be most jazzed for this one or this one. Okay. Well, since Labyrinth will be in the mix, let's wait on that one. Okay. So I've been wanting to watch Walk the Line ever since we saw Elvis in theaters because it's got that same kind of vibe. Not Baz Luhrmann vibes, but like the story of an iconic singer and mm, Reese Witherspoon, Joaquin Phoenix. Oh, it's just so good. And they do their own singing. I'm sure Reese Witherspoon was melodying to shit and I can't wait to hear you rip that apart. But uh, it's a great movie, and she won an Oscar for it. So, Oscar? I, think, I hardly knew her. Oh, so I think that'll be the next one. And yeah. Cool. Well, fucking go out and support your local movie theaters. Obviously, hit a chain if you have to, but if you can support that tiny locally owned neighborhood theater, please do so. Things are going back to normal, but they still need all of your love. I just read today that uh, the new Top Gun movie surpassed... Uh, Avengers Endgame and it's total gross. It is still in theaters right now. Like it's still playing at the Woodbury 10. Like it is kicking ass. That's amazing. Yeah. Hollywood really needed this. Yeah. And that movie was fucking fabulous. Yeah, it was great. I loved it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Movie Lovers and we will see you next time. (laughs) We are movie movie lovers we love we are movie, movie motherfuckers. We love movies, they can be beat. M O V I E V I E V I E. M O V I E, cause they're fucking sweet. M O V I E V I E V I E. M O V I E, we can see it on the cool. Thanks for listening to Movie Lovers. If you like what you heard today, 
please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Your feedback goes a really long way to helping our little podcast that could be seen by the world. Also, don't forget to give us a follow on Facebook and Instagram too. You can find us by searching the handle Movie Lovers Pod on either platform. This is the part of the podcast where Jonah and I shamelessly promote our respective services that we provide in our careers. I'm a session musician and composer for hire. I do commission pieces ranging from podcast jingles to keyboard and orchestral arrangements, video game soundtracks, etc. The sky is the limit. If you're looking for custom composition services, you can find me on my website at www.jonahweingarten.com. That's J-O-N-A-H-W-E-I-N-G-A-R-T-E-N.com. Movie Lovers is a Mally Creative production. I, Mally, am the owner of Mally Creative, a marketing and multimedia design agency. If you or anyone you know is in the market for social media strategy, design, or management services, or perhaps you need a new website designed or even print or digital graphic design services, please reach out to me at my website, www.mallycreative.com. Again, that's www.mallycreative.com. If you'd like to advertise on our podcast, please reach out to us on social media, on our website at www.movieloverspod.com, or by contacting Mally Creative.